If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. It's found on page 1040. Luke 16, we're going to start at verse 1. He also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management so that for you can no longer be my manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quietly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, many friends for yourself, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, you may receive they may receive you into uh, uh, the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little also, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful. In that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Last week we, we talked about the importance of, of spiritual health. And this morning I want to talk about financial health. It may surprise you that Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell. In fact, half of all the parables that Jesus tells have this theme in, in mind about our stewardship or about, about money. In the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses is about money and money management. Now the passage we're going to look at this morning, it's one of the weirdest of, of all Jesus' parables. Uh, you, you read it and you shake your head and what? What is Jesus saying? Is he really um, commending the, this fellow for his dishonesty? I mean, that's, we know that's not something Jesus would do. So what in the world is, is going on here? But after you start doing some digging into this passage, I think you discover uh, exactly what, what Jesus is up to. And, and he's using the crook um, of the story as, as really um, kind of a hero to make a point. And uh, you've got to be patient to kind of dig into this passage a little bit to, to understand that, because when you read it just by its surface, it, 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 again, you just wonder what in the world is Jesus saying. 
But I, I really think that, that Jesus told the story in, in a way um, to kind of shock his listeners, to shock not only the disciples, but especially the Pharisees. I know when my kids were growing up, it was always interesting trying to find a, a, a balance between giving them independence and trusting them and kind of being parents, you know, to your kids. Especially like when, when you leave and, and, and go away for, for dinner, say, and you leave the kids at home. And uh, there were times that Arla and I came back from, from dinner and they were like perfect little angels. They appeared to be perfect little angels. Let, let me clarify that. But I remember one time we came home. It was summertime. And uh, when we pulled in the driveway, there was half little burnt, melted army men all over the driveway. And none of the kids would tell us what in the world happened that day. And I, I want you to know that the next time we went out for dinner, I was really hesitant because I just kept imagining those poor little army men all over the, the, the driveway, all half melted. But that's what happens. Sometimes it, it goes well when, when you entrust your, your things to another, and sometimes it, it doesn't go so well. Now, who is Jesus telling this parable to? Like I said already, it's, it is the disciples. Um, but more specifically, he, he's, he's speaking to the, uh, the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? Um, they're religious teachers who, uh, we've talked about them before, they were incredibly arrogant. Um, they're self-righteous, judgmental, hypocrites. They did one thing uh, but said another. Um, they, they, they just didn't really live out their 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 faith, their beliefs. And so in a subtle way, Jesus is, is confronting them, especially about their love of money, which is mentioned in, in verse 14, and, and, and the way they seem to have their priorities just upside down. So let me begin by mentioning some things that our, our text tells us that we should avoid doing when it comes to the gifts that God has entrusted to us. These are things we, we need to avoid. And first, I think it's obvious, don't waste those good gifts. Don't waste it. Verse 1, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were made against the manager that he was wasting his employer's money. The manager was being accused of, of being a poor steward of that money that had been entrusted to him. I remember some years ago, all that fiasco with the PTL ministries, with Jim and, and, and uh, Tammy uh, Baker, you might remember that, and, and the crazy things that they did, buying all these expensive houses and cars and gold-covered doghouse and probably all that makeup for Tammy. But the Bakers, they were poor stewards of what God had entrusted to them. And that's exactly what we see happening in, in our, our story. Second, the Bible says we're not to love money. We're not to love it. It's a gift. We're welcome to use it, but don't love it. In verse 13, our text says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, is Jesus saying that money is inherently evil? No. What's wrong about money is when it becomes too important to us. When it becomes more important than God, you could say it becomes an idol in our lives. Then it has to be uh, something that we deal with. 
Because whenever there's idols in our life, um, God is committed to tearing those things down. And so the quicker we do that, the better. You have to choose who's going to be first in your life. Because as our, our text says, you cannot serve both God and money. Third, don't trust your money. Don't look at it for secure, don't look to it for security. I mean, we can save it and have lots of it, but it can be taken away just like that. Manager learned this pretty quickly in verse 3 when he says, what am I going to do? I'm losing my job. Many of you know what that feels like to lose your job and to, to lose that security. And so you start wondering, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I, how am I going to feed my family? In the same way, if you put your security in, in appearances, you're going to be disappointed because those appearances, they event, eventually fade and we're just not as pretty as we once were. The same is true if you put your uh, security in your health. That can be taken away. If you put your security in your health or, or in, in a loved one, I, I guess I should say, um, in a blink of an eye, in a heartbeat, a loved one can be taken away as well. We've all experienced that, I think. Or you can put your security in your job and, and again, just like this uh, dishonest manager, it's there one day and it's, it's gone, it's gone the next. If you want to be really secure, then the Bible says we need to put our hope, our security in the Lord. Not in our wealth, not in our appearances, not in our job or our family or in a, a spouse or our children. But our hope is only in the Lord. And that's where our security comes from. There's only one thing that can never be taken from us. And that's God's love. That's our salvation. And so we need to keep our focus, our eyes on the Lord. Fourth, don't expect God's gift to satisfy. If you think having more will, will make you happier, more will make you secure, more will make you feel more important, you're going to be disappointed. It's not going to do any of those things for you. Someone asked Howard Hughes, how much money do you need to be happy? And he said, just a little more. And I think that's true in our world today. That's the motto of our world, just a little more. A little more in your bank account, a little more of this, a little more of that. But we know that that's it's not true. That's not where our, our, security, our security is found. It's not what satisfies. That's why Jesus says in Luke 12, guard against all kinds of greed because your life is not measured by how much you own. Your self-worth has no connection to your net worth. Your possessions, it doesn't determine your value. Your worth rests on who you are in Christ Jesus. That he was willing to die on the cross for all your sins. That's how much God loves you. Again, that's where our security is found. And so those are things we need to avoid, but now let's look at some things that I think are important that, that we remember to do every day. First, every day I need to remember that it all belongs to God. The opposite of what we were saying before. It all belongs to God. Everything in the world belongs to God. Everything. We don't really own anything. What you think you own is really only on loan to you from God. 
He's entrusted you with, with gifts that one day he's going to ask you to give an accounting for. We're all going to be asked that. And so we're going to have to show him what we did with those talents, those gifts, the money, everything that he's given to us. Did we use them for God's glory? Or did we use them for ourselves? To make ourselves happy. Your wealth, your breath, your ability to work, your time, your possessions, all of it belongs to the Lord. It's a gift from Him that He calls us to be good stewards of. You know, it's easy to to say that everything belongs to God. We can say that so easily, but but to actually live it, that's, that's another thing. That can be a bit of a challenge at times. And when you fail to remember and live like this, it puts you at odds with God, the true owner. Let me give you a quick quiz. If you made $500 this past week, how much of it belongs to the Lord? 10%? $50? That's what we want to say right away, but that would be wrong. It all belongs to the Lord. The whole $500. But we show that we understand that it is the Lord's by tithing 10%. But it's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And so let me ask you, how well are you taking care of the things that that God has entrusted to you? Like your body. Are you aware that it belongs to the Lord? Are you taking good care of your health? How about your time? Are you tithing some of it to the Lord? Or your mind, your talents, your spiritual gifts, your family, your spouse, your children. They all belong to the Lord. They're not ours. They're entrusted to us for just a little while. Will you be faithful stewards of what God has given you? Secondly, as the owner of these gifts, God asks you to manage and invest them for Him. That means you are accountable to Him for the way you use it. For what you do with it. And that's, what hap- that's what's happening in our parable. When the master comes back, he wants to know what the steward has done with his finances, with his property, and he finds out that he had not been faithful. And so he calls the man to give an account. Back then, a, a rich person would often do this and trust someone to take care of all their finances and their business, and that would leave them free to do what they wanted. Well, that's what this man had done with this manager. But instead of being a faithful steward, as we've already said, he was not. I mean, think of Potiphar and and, and Joseph. Um, Potiphar asked Joseph to come and be the manager in his house, and everything was entrusted to, to Joseph, and because of Joseph, God blessed that household incredibly. But where Joseph was honest... An honest manager, that's not true for the manager in in Jesus' parable. See, he actually had a racket going on. Um, People would borrow 50 gallons of uh, olive oil, but he would charge them for 100 as interest. And so 50 would go back to the master, 50 would go into his own pocket, or or whatever it might be. But he was taking a take on all those loans and, and just putting it in his pocket. And and that's what um, the owner um, discovered. And that's why he calls him to give an account. I remember when the Lord of the Rings series came out. 
It became a, a favorite of my kids. And I don't have the time to tell you the whole story, but in, in the third installment, um, The Return of the Kings, as they, they try to destroy the ring, war has come to Gondor, and there's no king over the realm. There's just a, a steward named Denethor. And Denethor, he was put in that position to take care of the kingdom and take care of the people until the true king arrived. But he forgot that. And after a little while, he started to use his position, his wealth, for his own benefit. The wealth of that kingdom for his own benefit and the benefit of his family. He was not a good steward. And and we know at the end of that story what his tragic end was. Well, the manager in Jesus' story, he's not willing to accept that kind of uh, tragic end for himself. And, and so, because the, the manager is not an imbecile, again, he, he, he works that out um, with, with all his, ma- his master's debtors. And he works out that deal. And by doing that, now the, these people who had taken loans out from the master, now they're indebted not only to the manager, which will help him later on when he needs to find another job, but they're also going to look at the owner and say, what a wonderful guy this is. We owed 100 gallons of olive oil, and we only have to pay 50 back. He is wonderful. I'm going to make sure I bring all my business to him. And so really it was, he was very shrewd in, in what he did. And, and, and that's what the, the owner even in, says to him. That's why he's being um, congratulated. Not because he was dishonest, but he was being congratulated because this manager saw what was about to happen, he saw his demise coming, and so he did something about it. And what he did was he put his trust in his master. And he probably did one of the first honest things he's done in his life. He was honest. He, he started to pay back that extra money that, that he was planning on, on taking. You can just imagine how grateful the people were. And uh, again, as I said, the, the manager was, was counting on his master's grace. He was counting on it. And, and why doesn't the master um, put him in jail? That should have been the first thing he did once he, once he uh, discovered. But you don't hear any plans of, of this man wanting to do that. And, and instead, he, he treats... The manager, um, again, he, he shows him grace instead of giving him what he, he, he deserved. This dishonest manager, he could have put a, his hope in himself. He could have come up with a really great plan on how to work this all out, but he didn't. He could have tried to run away. master would have probably found him. But again, he put his trust in his master's grace because he knew that's where his salvation lied. And again, that's, that's why he's complimented by, by his manager. And, and that really speaks to us as well. How do you apply this to ourselves? Well, we're actually in a worse situation than this manager because we're facing an eternity without Christ. We're facing an eternity of punishment. And just like this manager, we have to look to the future. 
And, and where does our salvation lie? Is, does it lie in ourselves? Does it lie in our good deeds? Does it lie in how much we own, all our possessions? Well, of course not. It lies only in the Lord, in Christ. And so we have to look to the future and, and see our demise and put our faith in Jesus and put our trust in him. One great encouragement we have in, in being faithful stewards is remembering that um, since everything belongs to God, he's going to take care of it for us. Listen carefully to what I'm saying here. Everything belongs to God. Your children belong to God. Your house belongs to God. Your job belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. So when your kids need braces, God's got that. He's going to help you come up with the money to pay for it. Or if you've got some big bills that, that, that are coming due, do you have to worry? Do you have to be afraid? No, God's got that. God's holding us in the palm of his hands. He's watching over us. He's caring for us. And if everything belongs to God, everything we have, all our belongings, then we need to look to God. If you get into a car accident, what are you going to do with car, God's car? We don't think that way, do we? Well, I'll call the insurance company. What does God want you to do? We need to look to him because it belongs to him. And I'm not saying that we don't have any responsibility in this. I mean, we do. But he's going to help us. He's going to help us find the, the, the means to be able to, to pay for those things. Because it all belongs to him. That really takes the pressure off, the pressure off of us. And we just need to keep our eyes on, on Jesus. Now, Jesus never tells us what ended up happening to the manager. And in a way, we don't need to know. I, I think Jesus' point in doing that is we need to now apply this to our, ourselves. This morning, what are you trusting in? Is your hope and trust in the mercy and love of the Savior? Or are there... Or are you still thinking that you can try to save yourself and work it out in your own strength? The manager was praised for his ability to see the hopelessness of his situation and know where his salvation lied. That's what we need to do as well. Where is our hope? Are you being faithful with your time, your, your treasure, your talents? Are you being faithful with those things and using them for God's glory? Or are you using them mainly to keep number one happy? And that's yourself. I think all those things I I just mentioned, they they, they say pretty quickly, again, how we spend those things. What we're putting our trust in. What is our first love? We say we don't love money, but do we show it in the way we live our lives? We struggle with money because, in a sense, we all need it to live. But money is so alluring and enticing. And if you do not learn how to master your money, it's going to become your master. And Jesus is warning us against that. So let us serve only one master, and let him be Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We just thank you, Lord, for this parable. Lord, for reminding us 
Lord, that we too need to look to the future and be faithful in, in, in using what you've entrusted to us and putting our hope in you and not in ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for the way you care for us, the way you bless us. Lord, you know our needs better than we do. You're working on the solution to them before we even know there's a problem. And Lord, what a comfort that is. And Lord, the next time we're, we're faced with some huge challenge in our lives, help us to remember, Lord, that you are with us, that we just need to keep our eyes focused on you, that you will care for us, just as you always have, that everything belongs to you. Lord, help us, through your Holy Spirit, to remember who our true master is. May we not live like the world, but Lord, may we live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.